Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It is the APC podcast here from acmepackingcompany.com, part of SB Nation. Talking Green Bay Packers. I usually say like all off season long, but at this point it's like once a month we'll gather some people together and we will talk Packers football. Uh, and that's what we are here to do today ahead of the NFL draft, which is next week as we record this on a, I guess, a Wednesday, April 21st. Um, late afternoon mountain time. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. If you want to see a picture uh, from Mac and me and not a picture of me, um, follow the show at the APC pod. And I am joined by two people who are smarter than me because that's how I roll when these kinds of topics rear their heads. First by uh, my buddy Tex Western. How are you, man? I'm good. As as always, I've got a, a little drama bourbon here to, to get me going. So it wouldn't be a, a podcast with you if I wasn't having a little bit of whiskey, but no, feeling good. Getting, getting ready for next Thursday. It's, it's, I think we're at that point where it's just time to get it over with and, and get on with it. Yeah. My, uh, my, my, uh, I salute your, your whiskey. I'm going to open something right now. The, the whitest thing ever said on this podcast. It's a hard kombucha, 7% alcohol. <laughs> uh, my, a high, that's a high bar to clear there, Zach. <laughs> my, uh, my partner made sure this was the show was going to tank by making me drink two glasses of wine before we started. So here we are. And uh, as well, we are joined <laughs> by another smart person, smarter than me, um, theme of the day so far, Justice Mosqueda. How are you, man? Uh, good. Weather, weather on the West Coast, finally warming up. Um, don't have a beer with me because it's only five o'clock here. I still got to grind and watch more day three uh, front seven prospects for Bleacher Report, but I got to dip in. I'm in uh, solidarity for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no no snow where you guys are hey we got like two and a half inches here in ohio last night no thank you oh nope that was an unpleasant uh thing to wake up to i just came out of a like an eight month high school uh football coaching season if i would have had snow right after that uh, <laughs> i don't know what i would have turned into the joker <laughs> <laughs> mass hysteria um all right guys uh i don't know uh real quick before we get into draft stuff i did want to hit on a quick uh, a few quick hit items firstly on like a show level um cycle for survival fundraiser is still going on so alex patakis is raising money for his team um again that's um for memorial sloan kettering rare cancer research so you can find the link um on our Twitter at the APC pod in the bio, our link tree, as well as Alex at Alex Patakis on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate everyone's donations. We've, we've gotten uh, a ton of support uh, so far. I know Alex appreciates it. I won't speak too much for him, but that's still going on for a couple more weeks before um, I believe he's cleared the threshold and they get to ride um, at MetLife uh, on the field. 
uh, at this point, which is uh, which is pretty cool. I hope he does a little uh, little dance at the fifty yard line. A <laughs> um, couple other uh, not show related, but uh, little newsy items before we get into draft stuff that I just wanted to to run over with with you guys real quick. The NFL, um, I saw this today, is loosening its rules around uh, player numbers and which position groups can wear which numbers. Tex, I know that uh, Andy Benoit is like pacing in his house right now, cursing, <laughs> cursing the walls. Uh, Screaming uh, into a pillow or something. Yeah, because yeah, because crafty running backs like Ty Montgomery can now uh, get to trick linebackers with confusing jersey numbers, right? <laughs> I, I, I love this. I've always loved the fact that you can have, you know, skill position guys wearing where you know, numbers like one or you know, 94 in college football. Um, the only thing that I wish that they would have done is opened up the nineties to like kickers and punters, because there's something fun about the skinniest guys on the football field wearing big n- numbers in the nineties <laughs> to me. But uh, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of this. Um, anything that lets, uh, as I think our, our good friend Matub said um, that lets the, the surfs once they get out of indentured servitude of college football, get to keep some measure of individuality. I'm all for it. <laughs> They they need to liberate uh, defensive linemen. I'll say that we yeah. need a single single digit defensive lineman. Yes. yes. Montrevious where Adams wearing number one at Auburn was just beautiful. It's a beautiful sight. Yeah, right down. The we got to get that back. That's yeah. that's what always kills me is the the stuff like I mean Benoit's famous for it, but people being like you know how are they going to know he's a running back if he's wearing eighty would and it's like. Well, he's going to have the ball. Guys, have you ever watched a high school football game? <laughs> we, we get 14-year-olds that can figure it out pretty easily. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Well, and I started this out by throwing shade at Benoit, who, who is a person who I've never met or interacted with. I just think it's a weird hill to die on, and he is willing to die on this hill that, like, when Ty Montgomery was number, was it, was it 80, 88, something like that? He, 88, yeah. Yeah, 88. he was a running back, and it was just like this big, like, linebackers professional linebackers in the nfl are going to get confused and they can't tell that it's like these guys have been doing this for like a decade most of them or more <laughs> just absurd uh, uh any other news oh uh one more news item and then i promise we'll talk draft um aaron Rodgers hosted jeopardy did we watch it do we care <laughs> dex i i did watch a couple episodes i thought he, I thought he did pretty well. I don't know. I mean, it's it was interesting to hear about all the, the film study and stuff that he did for for weeks on end to get ready for it. But I think uh, I'm I'm equally as excited about the fact that LeVar Burton uh, of Reading Rainbow and Star Trek fame is going to get a chance to guest host as well. So those are definitely my top two uh, preferred options to to replace Trebek long term if if I had my choice. Yeah, I think uh, I think LeVar Burton, without having even seen him do it, I can just picture him as the full time replacement host. It just seems to work in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you'd have that right vibe, I think. I also think um, I think Larry McCarran should get a shot at guest hosting. I tweeted this out <laughs> earlier today. I don't know. Just give the rock. Give the rock a chance, man. <laughs> you just want to see his messed up finger again more often. Oh man, that's like a little inside inside baseball. There's there's some pictures that go around of Larry McCarron's pinky, which is at a complete right angle because uh, he's a badass and it it just broke from playing football, and that's how it is now. And uh, Matub, 
<laughs> at the blog uh, does not like unsolicited being faced with uh, photographs of that. So every once in a while, I just make sure to tag him in, in one of those and just drop it in the chat. I did so today, and he was not happy with me. I don't know. Made my day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I guess, uh, okay, now we can talk draft stuff, I, I guess. Um, I'm going to call this episode the uh, the APC Podcast Guide to casual Packers draft observance or something like that, because my official stance has always been that it, you know, let's, let's get guys in the building and then, then I will learn about them. Cause that's just how I roll. That's how, you know, I allow myself to recharge and like heal after the season. But I guess justice, you, uh, you've been in the thick of it with evaluations, right? Like what's April like for you? Man, a lot of film. Uh, I'm watching a lot of, not great football players right now, to be frank. <laughs> I'm going through all the, the day three guys. I made the mistake of I, I've been working on it since January for Bleacher Report. So I kind of got all the fun guys out of the way on the front end. I'm evaluating front seven guys defensively for them. So now I'm just chasing ghosts, trying to figure out like, all right, is this guy actually going to get drafted and stuff like that? So uh, watching a lot of uh, what people would probably call sleepers. But yeah, Um Puts me to sleep half the time. You're watching like <laughs> left, left, leftern Michigan online technical college football team. Well, the good the good thing is that there's not very many small school guys in this class, um, just because of how the process worked out. Right, everyone got a free year, yeah, and all that. So, like when they came out with the uh, combine list, right, which was like the virtual combine where it was just you know online interviews and stuff like that for the most part. Um, there was only one non-FBS player in the front seven that was invited. And that was Ellerson Smith. And he opted out of the season. Um, he's from past rush from Northern Iowa and he was at the senior bowl and stuff like that. But, and there was, a, it was an extended invite, you know, it was almost like 400 players who were invited to that online combine. So I, I would be pretty surprised if, you know, we saw very many FCS guys drafted this year, which at, you know, on the flip side, Hey, if you're not going to have FCS guys in the draft class, that worsens your draft class a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that that's just kind of the situation that we're in where, you know, a guy like Derek King, who's, you know, in the Heisman conversation is getting a six year to go back to Miami instead of coming into this draft class. A lot of guys went back, frankly. Um, so the the depth in this draft class, I don't think is necessarily there. I'll uh, pour one out for my guy, Ted Thompson, man. He's rolling, out, rolling his grave with this draft class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is is this one of those cases where if you've got a team that's that's not going all in for 2021 that you know you would you'd be willing to trade picks and try to stock up in 22 thinking that that class is going to be a lot deeper a lot better because that's the impression that I'm getting. Yeah, I day three I would expect a ton of movement because day three you're going to get teams that are going to try to trade up in the fourth round for certain positions like uh, linebacker, um, center you know, positions where the draft actually has some depth, but it runs out, right? Like you can get a fourth round linebacker, but you're not, you know, at, at that point, it's like, should we just package our fifth and sixth and just move up and just not care about the next two rounds? Or it's going to be teams that are sitting pat, not trying to move up, and then they're going to be punting picks for the future. I really, I really do think that's kind of the situation that we're going to end up in. Whereas like next year, it, it's almost like when the CBA changed, right? So like 2011, right? when the CBA changed and everyone says, wow, this draft class is amazing. Well, it's because all these kids came out because the mechanics of like how the money works out said, Hey, we don't have to stay in school anymore. Why don't we all just declare right now? 
And that's how, you know, the 2011 class gets, you know, becomes really good. And you end up getting, you know, JJ Watt going in the mid first and stuff like that. I think it's like the opposite of it right now where like next year's class is going to be like close to 2011, just in terms, just in general. Right. Um, in terms of like so many guys stayed in school, like this is their opportunity to leave. Guys are getting extra years, you know, guys are getting fifth, sixth years to develop when, you know, guys are getting drafted three years removed from high school at this point. Um, I think next year is probably just in general, in terms of like the narratives, like it's going to be a much stronger class than this year, but um, there's, there's plenty of guys in this class. I just think, you know, talent pool kind of runs out after four rounds. Yeah. That's a uh, famous, famous words by you that we echo a lot on the podcast. The draft is only how many rounds long? Is it four? Four, <laughs> four, the draft's four rounds. Everything after that is just, Darts. If there, darts if there was a 20 round NFL draft, we would stop caring after four. I don't know why we have to care about all seven <laughs> rounds right now, but yeah. Well, before we uh, dive into anything specific, I, I got a question on, on Twitter that I wanted to throw to you guys. Um, our, our listener, Ben Saylor, uh, who tweets in sometimes, he asks, What is the dumbest draft take out there? that you wish would just stop. And I'll, I guess I'll, I'll broaden that and say, we can say that's either something this year specific to a player that you wish like would just go away or more broadly, just in general about draft and, and draft culture and the, the whole shenanigans text. What, what do you think? The dumbest thing that you wish would just stop? Oh man. Um, well, th- as far as this year, the whole narrative around Justin Fields is, I, I find to be really stupid. The, the idea that, you know, he, he doesn't love football or he's lazy or, or whatever. He doesn't work hard. Um, it, that I don't know where that came from. Um, I, again, I live in Columbus. I'm no Buckeye fan, but I follow Ohio State pretty closely. And um, I don't I don't know what they're seeing um, that, that that this has kind of spun itself up. So that's the one thing that comes to my mind right now, at least about this class, uh, just because it's been talked about so much and. Um, I still think he'll probably end up, you know, one of those those top three, maybe four quarterbacks. But um, yeah, it, that that just kind of irritates me a little bit when people kind of uh, attack players or, or downgrade them or, or go after him a little bit for, you know, maybe for having interests outside of football. Right. I mean, people people have that comment about Rogers a little bit, too, at this point, which which is kind of laughable. Yeah. Um, Josh Rosen had the same thing a couple years ago. So I guess maybe that's the whole thing is, you know what? I, I, I appreciate that somebody might actually have some interests outside of football. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing, but then again, I'm not a, a personnel executive on an NFL team. So what the hell do I know? Yeah, I, it's, I don't know. It's the whole draft process to me, the, the, I don't know. We always give scouts and front offices the benefit of the doubt. Um, there's a ton of smart people in the NFL, but I think the thing that drives me nuts is that like we just need to acknowledge that there are also a ton of dumb people in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at right now. Like you hear, uh, and I was just looking for it on Twitter, but I'm kind of fat fingering my phone right now. Uh, text you tweeted out. I think it was from Amy Trask giving a an anecdote about a scout yeah. telling her you know in a proud way about a really stupid question that he had asked some prospect at the combine. And it's just like, you see some of these questions and you're just like, you know, text to your point about, you know, how much does player X love football? It's just like, what are we really doing here? You're going to play rock, paper, scissors with someone on a zoom call and then decide whether or not you want to draft them. What are you talking about? Yeah. The, the Amy Trask thing was like this, this guy asked 
prospects what kind of vegetable they would be. It's like, what are you trying to get? What information are you trying to get out of this? Is this, you know, and and what were the answers that he was looking for? That's what I find most fascinating. Is it better to be a broccoli than a carrot? Like, what, what, what do you want here? What are you trying to get out from that question? I don't know. That those those stories always kind of pop up at the combine every year, and it cracks me up to see what the the hot question of the year is. That stuff is always crazy because uh, re- really, I think a lot of that stems from people trying, like scouts in those interviews trying to just kind of throw something off tempo at these guys. You know what I mean? Like, not like, like just kind of get them out of their shell a little bit. Cause they've just been, I mean, these guys now are going through, you know, combine interview simulations, right. Where they're on the whiteboard and stuff like that, preparing just like they would prepare for a 40 yard dash. You know what I mean? Just training for that. Um, and I think a lot of it now is just like trying to break that shell a little bit, but, at a certain point, it comes down to like, okay, obviously everyone's been in a workplace before. Every, everyone knows that like chemistry to a certain point or understanding how this person ticks will help get a job done better. But are we actually evaluating it in a way that it matters or are we yeah. just kind of wasting our time? That, that's kind of the point where, where it's getting right now, where it's like you, you needed to you, if, if you're trying to figure out who a guy is in a combine interview, you've already messed up because you needed to figure out who he was as a junior, yeah. you know, in those visits with your area scout and stuff like that and how he interacts with people in the building, you know, what his background is, that that work should have already been done. Right. Talk, talking to coaches at pro days and, and yeah, events like that. And, and yeah, I hear you. that, that, that I feel like is where you get the, the true picture of what a player is, is talking to the people who know him and who interact with him rather than talking to that person directly. So justice, when you're going through like day three D line prospects, you don't have like a column in your spreadsheet. That's like which vegetable they would be. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I have heard of uh, one guy before um, when he, he was an NFL scout. uh, He, when he would fail a guy, as like a not draftable prospect, you would put cartoons as their comparison. Um, I haven't <laughs> stooped down to that level yet, but this this draft class might push me. The seventh rounders, we'll see. I gotta. Ha- I have deadlines on Friday, so I might- <laughs> can't, can't wait to see who gets compared to Patrick Starr. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man! All right, now let's. Now we, I guess, we can dive into some uh, some Packers draft stuff as as well as we are qualified to do. Um, on this show anyway, what do we know about Brian Gutekunst's draft day tendencies? Um, Tex, I guess I mean both like both as a selector of players, but also in his sort of willingness to wheel and deal on draft day. Who do we, who do we know him to be at this point? Well, I mean, we've got three drafts and he's traded up in the first round three times. Um, once in each of these last three years. So we know he's not afraid to, get rid of a little bit of mid draft capital to, to go and get the guy that he wants or, you know, one of the the last guys that he thinks is worth a first round pick, for example, like last year. Um, so I would expect this year that um, that that's probably going to be the case again, just given all the picks that the Packers have on day three. I mean, they got extra, extra picks in the fourth, fifth and sixth from the, the compensatory selections. And so there's there's enough capital there to to move up a few spots here and there um, to get a guy that you want if if somebody falls or you know to to make sure that you secure him. So that's I mean that's the the thing that stands out and that everybody's gonna gonna think of think about on Thursday 
next week. But um, and something that carries over from Ted and, and something justice that you've documented for years is just how much they love great athletes. Um, that's, that's, I think what it boils down to. If you're not just a really good overall athlete, um, there's a, probably a, a, not a very good chance that you're going to end up hearing your name called when the Packers turn in the card. So those, those are the two pretty clear tendencies to me, uh, that, that Goody's shown recently. I would, I would add, uh, youth too. And, you know, the athleticism thing kind of, uh, it kind of varies by position, like linebacker, they're not going to, I mean, they haven't drafted linebacker high in <laughs> my lifetime. Let's not get into it. Maybe. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, youth is a huge thing. I mean, I remember yeah. 2016, they took Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark. Dean Lowry's 26, Kenny Clark's 25 today. You know, there's defensive line prospects, offensive line prospects um, from BYU who are going to get drafted, who are the same age as they are. And they've been in the league for five, six years, you know? Yeah, I wish I, I didn't have, I don't have my soundboard plugged in today, but um, I'd give you the ding there, the Ben Foldy ding, because age is is always something that he <laughs> points to when we're talking about uh, players, whether or not we should resign them, what we think of them. And Kenny Clark is a name that comes up a lot. And it's just, you know, guys, it, it is true over the past. I mean, even before, even before Goody Cons, you know, the past decade, you think guys have been on this team two, three years. You're like, oh, yeah, they're probably like 26 and they're like 23. It's crazy youths yeah <laughs> the youths <laughs> yeah you get an athletic 20 year old and just yeah just put a Packers sticker right next to it. <laughs> that, that's a guy that's a guy they'll be looking at not a patrick star sticker no so so athletic 20 year old guy there's a guy uh in, in your position group um let me just ask you right about uh, about him right off the bat bobby brown texas a&m is that i mean is that is that like a perfect packers like fourth round pick yeah, I think I think he would fit in real well. I mean, his, his motor's off and on, but you see the athleticism. He moves different than most, you know, nose tackle type of guys do, and I think that's what he could play. Um, my question would kind of be like, is he going to be Kenny Clark's backup, or are they going to figure out a way how to try to get him on the field at the same time? That that's kind of one of my big. So the the transition from Petten to Joe Barry is going to matter a lot for that front seven. Right. Because Petten, for the most part, he's trying to give you weird looks. He's trying to send pressure from a bunch of different spots and he's trying to play man coverage. Well, that's kind of the opposite of what the Rams do. Right. The Ram- the Rams are basically a pattern match team where they're going to send, you know, three or four guys. And then it ends up looking like man coverage in the back end, but there's help. So it's almost like, you know, if, if people have played Madden before. Right. So it's almost like uh, playing like cover two man, but like those safeties end up becoming like help players. They don't just sit in zones. It's like you're actually playing a human who's like, wait, no, I'm going to cut off this route so you can't throw to him. So you end up getting like two double teams. But based off of that, those match principles, that's how the double teams kind of sort out, which is way different than Pedden, where he's just basically like, you know, hey, you guys are on islands. They don't know where we're bringing in pressure. Hopefully we can get to the quarterback before the ball's out. Right. It's almost like two different kind of mindsets. And with the Rams mindset, you know, they had a strong three technique in Aaron Donald. I don't think Kenny Clark's going to play three technique for. So, like, that's kind of a massive hole if if you're kind of trying to juxtapose the Rams roster to the Packers roster, where Mm. it's like, is that the type of defensive lineman that they really need in the first, you know, four rounds? But I guess this is a question that will be answered on draft day. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you did a really good job, I think, of uh, concisely summarizing the Petten philosophy, which is just hopefully <laughs> they'll get to the quarterback before he gets the ball out. <laughs> Hey, man, like I said, eight months with high school kids is what I'm coming off of right now. So <laughs> short and concise. Yeah. Get the message through that. That's been my mindset. Justice, you got to you got to make it likable and make it learnable. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we can we can get into some position position groups and some uh, some some individual players. But but first, before we move on, um, we talk about Gutekunst and 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 being willing to move up and kind of wheeling and dealing on, especially on on day one. Uh, Tex, I'll start with you. Uh, any trade partners in mind? I mean, obviously, there's been some like clickbait thrown around with the Packers considering sending Jordan Love to the Patriots in order to move up in the first. <laughs> I mean, that seems like far fetched at absolute best. But is there anything more practical that you could see happening in that regard? Yeah, it's. I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't looked closely enough at what the capital of some of the teams in like the, the early to mid twenties. But what I have looked at is at least the, you know, based on the trade charts, right. Where the Packers could feasibly get to if they, um, if they do decide to kind of package some, some picks and, and move up. Um, you know, I don't think Gutekunst is going to, going to try to, to trade off the second round pick. I think those are too valuable um, to, to give up. But um when he moved up for Jair Alexander, for example, uh, in 2018, he sent the third round pick, um, and it was a, it was an earlier mid mid third round pick, but that got the Packers up from 29 to like 18. Um, this year, with where their pick is at, you know, you could get to like 21, maybe maybe 20 if, in a pinch uh, if you send the third rounder um, and make the numbers work out. If you're looking at the fourth rounders, you're probably moving up maybe four or five spots to 24. Um, so you know, you're looking somewhere maybe like a Tennessee at 22, depending on how the board falls. Um, you know, 20, 25, I guess the Jags at 25, they've, they've got a couple extra picks from the Rams, but maybe like a Cleveland at 26. So um, it, it would, it would kind of have to be a matter of, you know, figuring out where the, you know, what teams could maybe use a, an extra, you know, late day two, early day three pick, but somewhere in that early twenties is probably the, the highest that they could feasibly get to just, with the, the picks and the values that they've got. And I'll say this, just knowing how the draft class is kind of shaken out. Um, really the difference, if green Bay is going to move up into that range, the difference would be for a corner. You know, if you're talking about guys that they probably can't get at 29, where the value is different, like, you know, a different type of tier of athlete where you're saying, Hey, we should actually give up something else so we can turn these two teams into that one thing because that one thing is more valuable than these two things. Um, I think that would probably be for like a cornerback, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Do do you on that note? Do you think a guy like Greg Newsom is does does he probably go off the board in the early mid twenties? Is that kind of where you're thinking he would let, end up, or um, you think there's a chance that he might be there closer to twenty nine? I think once like the Patriots go on the clock, like that, that run of like Sertan, Newsom, Horn, especially with Arizona right behind them too. You know, Arizona is a team, they need to re replace Pat Pete and all their DBs are small. Like everyone knows they kind of need a longer corner. Um, I think that's when those guys start going off the board. So if Green Bay's sitting there, I mean, really, unless, unless one of those guys starts to drop, right. And maybe that's when they're saying, Hey, okay, pull the trigger. We're going up to, you know, 2021, whatever. We're taking this cornerback that should have been drafted at 15. Um, let's just give up the two picks and just hang our hat on it. 
But if they're sitting at 29, I mean, Farley, um, obviously, you know, he's got the injury concerns and stuff like that. And then, you know, Asante Samuel, who I think can excel in the slot. Um, he may not be a cornerback who can line up outside every down, but I think he could excel in the slot. And that has a lot of value in the NFL. I mean, damn, the Packers are playing dime defense half the time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be surprised if Joe Barry didn't base out a nickel this year. So it's not like he wouldn't be a starter anyway. Um, so I think he would be a guy who would be, you know, a significant uh, improvement over a guy like Chandon Sullivan um, in the slot. But we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see. Yeah, that's interesting and and a good way for us to transition sort of into like, I guess the the meatier portion of the show talking draft. So uh, for me, I'm, I'm interested firstly in sort of an overall umbrella, like getting a top two or maybe three, if you want, like positional needs. For the team, for for me, it's offensive line, which I know is boring to say, but it's basically OL every year. But I mean, that's how you keep your good quarterbacks upright over the past like 25 years. If Bakhtiari could be starting on the PUP, it just makes sense to me. After that, I don't know. Is it cornerback? Uh, Justice, as you alluded to, defensive line as well. I'm at a loss because I am not smart, but that's what you guys are here for. Tex, what do you think? Uh, top two or maybe three, if you care, positional needs. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit on it, I think, with corner and offensive line. Um, I, I I hate to be the guy that throws receiver into the mix again and again and again, <laughs> but just based on the contract situation of these guys, um, you know, the, the only guy that is realistically under team control after next year is Alan Lazard, and that's only because he's a restricted free agent next year. Is Jamon Moore has, available? Uh, probably, <laughs> but... Um, now I still believe that that Adams probably gets a, yeah, I I still think Adams ends up getting a contract extension sometime this off season. Um, yeah, just, it, it, it makes too much sense to do it, but, um, you know, I, I, I think those are especially long-term needs. Um, those are the, the top three for me. I would, I would say, you know, again, and I already talked about both of them, but, uh, I'd probably add three tech in there um, just because, you know, that penetrating defensive tackle who can kind of be on the field constantly, you know, Kenny Clark's an explosive guy, but they do have to manage his snap count. He rotates off. He's a nose tackle guys that big should not be on the field every single play. You know what I mean? Like he's not playing as many snaps as Aaron Donald and they kind of need that type of guy. The problem is outside of maybe Davion Nixon, I don't know if there's a guy who can really kind of do that. Um, and then, you know, again, linebacker, this is a great linebacker class, frankly. Um, I didn't realize it until I really started diving into film and, you know, started, uh, building out my big board in like February. And I was like, there's a lot of good off ball linebackers. Like they could, it wouldn't surprise me if they came away with like two in the first four rounds, just because of how the value shakes out. Uh, so linebacker is interesting and, and we joked about it a little bit earlier because, you know, like my kingdom for a decent fucking middle linebacker in the history of my life watching the Packers uh, since, I don't, I don't know, who's the, who's the last one? Who's who's the last uh, one? Derek, uh, is it? No, 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 it would be Nick Barnett, Nick right? Barnett? Nick Barnett, probably. Bishop? Yeah, Desmond, Desmond Bishop, Bishop Desmond one, Bishop. Yeah, the one or two good years. So, ba- Justice, based on sort of like what you know about who the Packers kind of look at in 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 incoming rookie linebackers and what you've seen crunching tape. Is there anyone you think that is like a practical fit that could be available for the Packers that you would actually be interested in? 
Yeah. I mean, they like super athletes. I mean, they, they swing on them. Um, the thing is they don't swing on them high, but they swing on the upside. Right. So like an Oren Burks where, you know, okay, he's a coverage linebacker. You know, he's, he was literally a college safety at one point. Um, and you know, not strong against the run. Ty Summers is a crazy athlete. So I think, you know, if we're talking about guys like Chas Surratt, so for example, so Chas Surratt, um, his brother's also going to be in this, in this, uh, draft class, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest. Uh, Chaz was at a, uh, North Carolina. He was Mr. Football in North Carolina. His brother was Mr. Basketball. Um, he was a freshman starter at quarterback at the university of North Carolina and then ended up transferring to linebacker down the line. Um, great athlete, um, real violent. Sometimes, uh, the big thing with him is he's just young, new to the position, you know, converted in college and he's not real tough against offensive line, but I think he's so young into his position conversion that that might be something that can like actually be fixed at the next level. Um, so I would say him, uh, Jamin Davis, I think that's how you say his name. Um, he basically ran like a four, four at Kentucky, um, first year starter, and then ended up declaring for the draft. You know, again, another guy who's real athletic, but real green. I think both of those guys will probably go, um, day two, maybe Davis sneaks into the end of the first round, but I don't think so. Um, but, but kind of guys like that, um, Baron Browning, uh, was a super athlete, uh, at Ohio state. I mean, Tex, you said you're, you're in Ohio, right? I mean, you must've heard about this kid. Oh yeah. Five-star recruit out of Texas, um, moved in and out of the lineup, very kind of weird situation where Ohio state kind of had four linebackers that are probably going to get drafted in this class, uh, depending on if, uh, Borland gets taken late in day three, but he was the most athletic out of all of them, but they would, they had a short leash on his ass. Like you could watch the Ohio state Clemson game. I specifically watched it for him. You watch the first drive. He's the starter on the first drive. He gives up a touchdown on the edge to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence runs in for a rushing touchdown. His ass gets pulled for three quarters yep. in a playoff game. And we're talking about a guy who might go in the top 100. Like that's, kind of, that's the type of level of athleticism but rawness that he's dealing with. And it's not like he hasn't played a lot of football. He's been at Ohio State for four years. He was a five-star recruit. It's not like guys didn't have their eyes on him and try to fix him. Um, but that's kind of the, the situation that's happening in this draft class where you know there's a ton of athletes but a lot of them are real raw and a lot of them haven't played a ton of football and these, you know, six game seasons and stuff that some, some of these teams are playing. I think Miami of Ohio played three games. Um, isn't really helping anyone. Uh, an another guy I'll just toss out just to end this rant, uh, Garrett, Garrett, uh, Wallow from TCU, amazing athlete. His arms are so small. It might legitimately keep him from succeeding in the NFL, but he, he has like the upside of a guy who might be able to like make a pro. Um, he's got like 30 inch arms. He's probably like six foot flat. But if you look at his athleticism, I mean, go find math bomb on Twitter, go find whatever his RAS is. And, you know, I bet Garrett Wallow is going to be pretty high on that. Yeah. I mean, Oren Burks, Ty Summers, these are not guys who are, uh, who are, they're crazy athletes, but who at this point are not sort of jumping off the, the tape to me. So I don't <laughs> No, No, Sounds like you're, uh, no, they got they got the right two. I mean, Barnes and Martin are probably their best two inside guys right now, and those are yep. the guys that they're giving reps. So unless Summers and Burks start to take a step, you know, this summer, and who knows what are we going to get a preseason look because we didn't last right. year. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, all this stuff gets tough, especially you know in the climate that we're in right now, where you know yeah. things are uncertain. I think uh, right now we're slated for three preseason games. I think maybe. Yeah, I think that's that's the plan now that they went to. Are we going to get to see Jordan Love throw a football? Oh, my God. 
Hot damn. Hot damn. It's about time, damn time. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. Tex, any names to know to, to know for you? I mean, we're talking uh well, we just talked about linebackers. We're talking about like top position groups, so so OL, defensive line, cornerback, anyone you're excited. I I, I wanna like encompass this in someone you're interested in who you think is an actual practical fit, because you know, Every show is talking about the the top ten players in the draft, and like it's just it's that's not for the Packers any any year. Yeah, so so I'll go over to receiver and and get one of my favorite like day two guys that that I I think would be an awesome fit, and that's Nico Collins out of Michigan, um, another just ridiculous athlete. He's a big guy. I mean, we know the Packers love their big receivers. He's like six four two fifteen. Um, another one where. Um, I don't know that Michigan really understands what to do with a passing game in, in football under Jim Harbaugh. Um, and so I feel like he was kind of misused a little bit uh, and then he, he opted out for 2020, but um, I, I would, I would love to see him and, and how he could fit in and potentially develop down the line uh, in green Bay. And, and I think there's, you know, certainly at 62, he should be there. Um, I think there's an outside chance. You might see him still available there in, in the nineties. Uh, when they're up in the third round and just it seems like he'd be a, a good fit for the type of, you know, the type of athlete, the type of size speed guy that the Packers love to look for at receiver. You know, the thing that I kind of find interesting at wide receiver with them is the big difference that I would say between Gutekunst and Thompson at this point is that those outside guys, he's willing to go smaller on that, you know, I don't think Tyler Irvin ever makes a Ted Thompson roster, right? I don't think Ted Thompson ever turns in the card for a Jair Alexander. I think that's kind of where that difference is. And when you're looking at some of the guys that they've interviewed, you know, it's on record right now. They've interviewed, you know, Rondell Moore. They've interviewed Darius Toney. Um, I kind of think that they almost want to fit in a better version of that Tyler Irvin type of guy into a Tyler Irvin role. But that, that just makes things so much cloudier at wide receiver, right? Where it's, okay, Devontae Adams is kind of our possession guy. Alan Zard's a borderline tight end. And then, you know, MVS is basically their speed guy deep. Well, if we're taking MVS off of the field to put in a, you know, Tyler Irvin type of guy, well, either the tight end's got to come off of the field and you're just going to go full 10 personnel, which no one in the NFL does, which would be very different, right? Or you have a lateral stretch guy and no vertical stretch guy. You almost have to decide if we're going to have a lateral stretch guy or a vertical stretch guy in every play, or you have two raw speed guys in MBS and whoever they get in the draft and you knock, you end up taking out Alan Lazard as a possession guy. Um, and you basically become like a shot play offense with Devontae Adams being kind of the, the check down, you know, one-on-one man coverage type of guy. It, it, it's just kind of an interesting situation where I don't really know how all these pieces fit in together because you're you're already okay at wide receiver with Lazard and MBS where it's like how much better are we actually going to get day one with a rookie right because that's really what they would be drafting because if you draft a guy in the first round and he ends up just being you know basically giving you for for the let's say the first two years he's basically giving you the same production as you know Alan Lazard as a possession guy or MBS as a speed guy did you really make your your team any better in those two years by turning in that first round pick Right. I think that's where it kind of becomes a murkier thing, just from my perspective. Well, and there's so many of those those smaller guys in this class. Right. I mean, you mentioned Rondell Moore. Elijah Moore is another one. I mean, he's a he's a 
a crazy athlete too. Um, Tony's uh, is is ludicrous, uh, like with the ball in his hands, and and kind of fits that mold a little bit as well. Even though he's a little bit bigger, so I feel like there are a lot of those type of guys in this class, and um, it it will be really interesting to see if they do, um, you know, if they do invest fairly highly in in somebody like that, you know, what that says about what they want to do with the offense as a whole and and how they want that offense to flow moving forward. Well, I would ask too, like it's not just maybe it would be an awkward fit for this season, but you know, you, you got to think about the future and you've got, uh, you know, they haven't drafted a wide receiver in a while and you've got a bunch of receivers who, who I believe are free agents after this year. And so you, you got to think long-term. Yeah, that's why I, I kind of had it up there as one of the the bigger long term needs, um, just because of that that contract situation with these guys. And there's a ton of guys. I mean, wide receiver is probably one of the deepest positions in this draft. Again, like I said, um, where where that fourth round range where teams are trying to trade up and it's deep at linebacker, deep at center, deep at wide receiver. I, I think that's when a lot of teams are going to kind of make their moves to kind of lock in their. Okay, this guy's going to be able to make our roster. In two years, he's going to be able to become our starter. And if he gives us anything before then, you know, we're good money, you know, type, type of situations. There's guys like Antonio Nunn, who's getting no hype right now out of out of uh, Buffalo, um, 5'11", 200 pounds. He's from Tampa. Real athletic um, on the on film, real tenacious type of guy. And he was basically in a run-first offense and was their leading receiver for the past three years. You know, that, that running back out of, out of Buffalo is running for like 2,000 yards a year. So it's not even like... Uh, he's seeing the ball that much, but when he does see the ball, it pops, right? So, I mean, that's that's a lot of the situations that these college wide receivers are in where, you know, they might be very talented and we're getting a lot better, especially with like seven on seven and just the passing game exploding at the college level to develop these type of guys. But if they're in a run first offense and, you know, their quarterback is in a Heisman contender, they're not going to be putting up the same type of numbers these guys at yeah. LSU are, you know? LSU's got, you know, five wide receivers that have more production than Buffalo's leading wide receiver. You know, we're almost talking about two different type of offensive evaluations at that point. But if you look at just pure traits, skill set, everything, wide receiver is just getting better and better every year. And you can find those guys in the fourth round. Yeah. All right. Quick, uh, quick answers before, before we, we wrap this thing up. Uh, I'll start with you, Tex. Finish, finish this sentence. I will be upset and or annoyed if the Packers don't come away with a blank name or position or, or whatever <laughs> what do you like really really want and you'll be annoyed if they don't get it yeah um a, a corner by the end of day two i think that's where i'm at yeah that makes sense to me justice same question to you i will be upset and or annoyed if the packers don't come away with a blank i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say linebacker linebacker uh early day three at the very least you know like fourth round um if there's ever a time, it's going to be now. So let me know if I'm ever going to see an NFL starting caliber <laughs> linebacker in my lifetime. Ty Summers 2.0. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I think that's going to do it uh, for us here. And I, I really appreciate Tex and Justice, you both uh, coming here and, and filling my head and our listeners' heads with uh, with a little bit of, of knowledge here as we get ready for the draft again um, next week, um, follow along all week at the blog, uh, a, uh, round one after round one, there's going to be a, a, a post round one pod. Um, I'm getting my second round vac shot that day. So it might not be me on the pod, depending on <laughs> how much Pfizer is racking my bones, but, um, 
but we're going to figure it out. So there will be something for you. And then, of course, once the whole thing is done and in the books, uh, we will, of course, be back to break down every pick and how it all shook out. Justice, I want to thank you again for for joining us. Do you want to plug anything else or where can the people find you? At Jumosk on Twitter, um, click uh, the links that I send out from Bleacher Report. <laughs> click them. Um, draft day. Yeah, click them. Click some ads. I, I've heard that helps. Uh, <laughs> and on draft day, I'll probably be tweeting out uh, the front seven scouting reports um, that I wrote and, you know, watched these, of these guys, you know, as they get drafted. Um, so keep an eye out, you know, if you're a fan of the Packers or anyone else, you know, front seven defensive player goes off the board. I've actually seen him. So come find me. We could talk about him. As someone who works uh, peripherally in internet marketing, I can tell you that clicking the ads works. It helps. It helps people. <laughs> so do it. <laughs> Tex, anything you want to you want to shout out before we uh, hit the road here? Yeah, we've got um, we're working through our community mock draft at Acme Packing Company. So Friday uh, we will have the Packers up at twenty nine. So get on the site, make your votes as to um, who you think the Packers should pick based on the board that's available uh, as of Friday. Uh, and then for round one, we're planning on doing a live uh, draft video stream again, like we did last year. So um, check it out at acmepackingcompany.com. Um, we'll probably have it live on either our Twitch or our YouTube channels or both or something. We'll get it figured out, but get on the site, check it out. Um, come interact with us, chat with us during the first round, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Bearded white guys aplenty. <laughs> lots of bourbon, lots of beer. Hopefully we'll have... You know, more fun reacting to the first round pick than we did last year. Oh, man. All right. Thank you, uh, Tex. Thank you, Justice. Really appreciate you guys stopping by. Uh, thanks, everyone, for downloading. I uh, hope you enjoy. Uh, enjoy your week here as we head into the weekend. Get ready for the draft. Um, don't take it too seriously. And on the other side, we uh, are going to have some players to talk about, and we can really, really start to get excited about Packers football. So until then, uh, like, subscribe, steal your parents' phone, subscribe on their phone too, at the APC pod on Twitter, all that fun stuff. And uh, once click again, ads. <laughs> click those ads and uh, click, uh, click our link tree uh, link uh, at the APC pod on Twitter. Once again, for the cycle for survival fundraiser um, for Alex Patakis' cycle for survival team, Memorial Sloan Kettering, rare cancer research, super important stuff. Good cause. Um, we thank you, uh, those who have donated and uh, who might donate after this. All right, uh, we're going to go. All right, see you later. Go Pack Go. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 